Matt would have to wait until her daughters left. Mom, we're doing an intervention. Jeannie informed her quickly. You're worrying us all too much. We love you, and we can't let you go on this way. For a moment, Maggie wanted to laugh, something she now rarely did. But she was alert enough to realize that her daughters wouldn't appreciate levity, not at this time. They had screwed up their courage and come to confront her about a serious problem. And, to be honest, there was a serious problem. The worst thing she could do at the time would be to laugh. I wish we could be having tea while you were intervening, she said mildly. But for some reason I can't seem to remember to buy tea bags. That's it, Mom. No tea bags, Megan said loudly. Megan had a big voice and often spoke more loudly than she intended to. See? You've totally given up, Megan added in a more moderate tone. Maggie turned on her heel and walked into the kitchen. She might lack tea bags, but she had plenty of oranges. If they couldn't have tea while this intervention was taking place, at least they could have fresh, squeezed orange juice. She cut several oranges in two and began to squeeze them. Ma, will you please stop doing things? Kate asked. We need to talk. They all trailed her into the kitchen. Kate seemed more keyed up than the other two. Perhaps because she was the oldest, she had been chosen to be spokesperson. We've been thinking about this for weeks, Kate went on. No, we've been thinking about it for months, Jeannie corrected. You have to confront your problems. None of us can take this anymore. Maggie kept squeezing oranges until she had enough juice for four good-sized glasses. Kate and Jeannie took sips, but Megan, who had a big appetite to go with her big voice, immediately glugged hers down. I thought interventions were for alcoholics or drug addicts or something, Maggie said, washing the orange pulp off her hands. All you've accused me of is being slow to bring in the paper and not remembering to buy tea bags. No, no, no. It's not those things, Kate insisted. Mom, those things are trifles. We need to keep things in perspective, Jeannie told her. It's your condition, Kate said. Your state, Megan added by way of clarification. The way you are, Jeannie insisted. Maggie was silent for a moment. Oh, she said finally. You must be referring to my despair. That's it. You finally said it yourself. Your despair, Kate said, sounding suddenly much less tense. I don't know that interventions are recommended for despair, my dears, Maggie said quietly. Then mother and daughters fell silent. They could get no further, but Maggie was glad, at least, that she had squeezed the oranges. A little O.J. never hurt. Chapter 2 don't I go to work every day? Don't I? 
Maggie mentioned in her own defense, once things were calmer. Kate had rushed up to the big grocery store on Sunset, returning with a bag full of teas, some Danish, and a lot of corned beef. She also bought some St. John's wort, which she didn't suppose her mother would take. But why not try? Then they all went into the small, leafy backyard and had their tea, while Jeanie painted her toenails. Jeanie had always been fussy about her feet, had to have just the right sandals and the like. She spent, in Maggie's opinion, far too much money on pedicures and foot care in general. But then Jeanie was a grown woman, thirty-five years old, and could pamper her feet if she wanted to. Mom, we know you go to work," Megan said, her tone only slightly patronizing. Their mother's professional reliability was not the point, not what caused Megan to leave her bungalow in Echo Park, and Jeanie to leave her large house in Silver Lake, or Kate to leave her new place in Marina Del Rey, and all this at a time Sunday morning, when all of them preferred to do as little as possible. After all, they had jobs, they had husbands, they had kids. Who couldn't use a little downtime? Mom, you raised us. It's because of you that our lives have sort of worked out," Kate said in a gentler tone. "It's the truth," Jeanie agreed. "If it wasn't for you, we'd all probably be whores or dopers or shoplifters or something." It's true, your father wasn't much help. I apologize," Maggie admitted. "Raj had never been any help, but why get into that?" "It's just that I miss my womb," Maggie added quietly, telling them again what she had already told them a hundred times. "It was my womb. I should never have allowed them to take it out," she said. I lost an important part of myself. How else can I put it? But mom, you got two scary paps in a row. You were flirting with cancer, Megan reminded her. Flirting's not always fatal, Maggie pointed out. Hey, you could be dead by now if you hadn't had that hysterectomy, Jeanie insisted. Millions of women have hysterectomies and get over them," Kate reminded her. "They go on to live perfectly healthy lives." Maggie shrugged. It was about the nine hundredth time that her daughters, or a friend, or a doctor, had mentioned the millions of women who had hysterectomies and made full recoveries and went back to living excellent lives. "My hat's off to them," Maggie told her daughters. They're my heroines, believe me. I wish I was just like them, but I'm not. I haven't made a full recovery, or any recovery. The best I can do is go to work. I support myself. I pay my bills. You do, but you're not interested in anything now. You were always so interested in stuff, Megan told her. Maggie didn't deny it. You're not even interested in your own grandkids," Jeanie pointed out. They all wonder what happened to their granny. It was a low blow. Words Jeanie immediately regretted saying, but her regret didn't change anything.
Maggie began to cry, silently but copiously. All the girls at once hugged her and told her they were sorry. The intervention just didn't seem to be working. Don't you understand? I feel guilty about everything now, Maggie said. I feel guilty about everything and everybody. But I feel most guilty about my grandchildren. She stood up, still crying, and went into the house. Now we've just made things worse, Kate said. Plus, wasting Sunday morning, Megan said. I told you we should just have left it to her shrink, Jeannie said. Dr. Tom, the Sicilian midget, Kate said with a shrug of contempt. Be kind, Megan said. He's not a midget. I've dated shorter men myself. And he loves Mom, Jeannie said. Besides, people from Sicily have just as much right to be shrinks as anybody else. Why shouldn't a Sicilian be a shrink? She asked, but no one bothered to answer the question. The daughters went back in the house and tidied up the kitchen. There wasn't much to tidy. Kate, who had an oral fixation, polished off the Danish. As her daughters left, Maggie was sitting on the couch, painstakingly reading the classifieds in the L.A. Times. There was a pile of soggy Kleenex beside her. I'm sorry I brought up the kids, Jeannie told her. Maggie shrugged. I know I'm guilty, you know, she said. Why deny it? They all hugged her.